0: Today's show is brought to you by SeatGeek, the easiest way to buy and sell tickets online. Download the SeatGeek app and get your Panthers tickets. Get ready for the home opener today. It's football season. Football is back. The Panthers play tonight in Denver. Uh, That should be a good game. If you want to get caught up on everything Panthers offseason, Download the Locked On Panthers podcast. That's right. Locked On Hornets now has a sister show, and it's hosted by local legend Steve Reed. Go to audioboom.com and download the Locked On Panthers podcast. Okay, let's go. It's time to talk some hoops and stuff.
1: You are Locked On. Locked On. Locked On Hornets. Your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Mm-hmm.
0: Let's go, David. It's Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome in. I'm Doug Branson, joined by my colleague, my friend, David Walker. David, we're here to talk about basketball, but we can't avoid the fact that football is back on the air tonight.
1: Football is back, Doug. uh, Important rematch. Don't call it a rematch. Don't call it a comeback either, but the Panthers... Yeah, looking for a big one. Check out that that podcast from our friend Steve Reed. He'll get you set up.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, I'm looking forward to the rematch of the Panthers and Broncos. Do you think anyone, any Hornets fans, are looking forward to the first game against Miami, a rematch of that playoff series? You think there's any Hornets fans that want a little little payback for that Game Seven, or 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 in fact Game One and Two?
1: Yeah, how about all the games. I think anytime we play <laughs> Miami, right, that's kind of the that's kind of the. Uh, Anytime the Hornets play Miami, that's going to be the, the the big matchup that everyone looks forward to, playoffs or not, so sh- for sure.
0: Yeah, it's the closest thing, I think, that the Hornets have to a a legitimate rivalry in the NBA. I mean, you could maybe look at the Atlanta Hawks as a possible Southeast Division rival, but I think it's definitely Miami and that seven-game series certainly cemented that. Big news here. We're returning to live programming Tuesdays and Thursdays beginning this fall on YouTube and Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Hive Talk Live for updates. If you already do follow us, you saw the update that we got uh, this massive TV installed in the studio. For uh, It's part for decoration, but I imagine we'll, we will use it creatively during the live show. But it's all going going to be on YouTube and Facebook. You're going to see us. Uh, in a whole new light, in fact, you'll see us basically for the first time. We didn't do a lot of uh, show recording in the past, so uh, that should be very fun. If you have a question, a comment, or you are interested in sponsoring the show, make sure to email us at buzzbuzz at com. All right, David, we have a great show ahead. We've got part two of our interview with Josh Lloyd from the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. A lot to get to there, but first... A little bit of Charlotte Hornets news, the Hornets have added two more players to its training camp roster, signing guards Andrew Andrews, not Andrews Andrew, it's Andrew Andrews, and Rashid, and a name, David, that's familiar to ACC fans, Rashid Suleiman, of course, played a few years at Duke, finished out his college career, his senior season at Maryland. So uh, let's tell you a little bit about these two guys. Uh, Andrews is a four-year senior out of Washington. He was the Pac-12 leading scorer last season, nearly 21 points a game. Add to that, 5.7 rebounds, 4.9 assists per game. He's uh, listed as 6'2", so a little undersized for the off-guard position. He's listed as a point guard, probably could play both of those roles at the next level. Uh, Raised his three-point percentage up from 27% his freshman year to over 40% in his senior year and then uh, Rashid Suleiman again a recognizable name David uh, as a senior at Maryland he averaged eleven point three points three and a half assists three and a half rebounds per game Neither of these guys were drafted, but they signed uh, uh, training camp contracts with the Charlotte Hornets where do you, where would you like to start David
1: um uh, you know Rashid Suleiman of course spent uh, some time at Duke he is my second favorite Rashid by a long shot let me just say that ducks um. <laughs> But, uh, you know, both of these guys can shoot, right? And it looks like, to me, the Hornets are trying to bring in guys who will be able to shoot. Um, I mean, I think it projects that these two will likely spend some time in Greensboro and maybe go back and forth. I mean, certainly that's where you project them starting, right? I mean, these guys are not going to be on the opening day roster, you wouldn't think.
0: No, and losing Lynn and losing Lee, they certainly lost a little bit in terms of shooting and wing depth. Mm -hmm. And so you can see them attempting to possibly address some future injury issues yeah. uh, by bringing in these guys that are—they're going to go to the D League. You know, they, like David said, they're not going to be on that opening day roster, but they could play a part. I'll say this about Andrews: so he's an undersized shooting guard, uh, only six-two. I remember he can score he can score everyone out the gym and i remember an undersized shooting guard at only 6 foot 1 and like andrews there weren't any teams showing any interest in him uh, in the draft played 4 years at baylor and uh, in 1992 though for the charlotte hornets he or excuse me in 1992 in baylor he averaged 20.9 points his final season just like andrew andrews in his final season at washington and and that guy turned out to be a Charlotte Hornets legend, David Wesley.
1: Mm-hmm. hmm Well, I'll say this, Doug. Tell me if you agree with this. If you're gonna be a specialist, I mean there's always been shooting specialists, but this Andrew Andrews, I, I gotta hope he makes it up there. I love I love saying that. Um he he's gonna shoot the three. I mean, he loves to shoot the three, and if he can extend that out to the NBA range consistently, I mean, there could be a spot for him. You never know. I mean, you, you just don't know with this having this team in Greensboro and being able to go uh get those guys is going to be a big big boost for this team I think and it's good to have guys there um you know that they can pull from it and they know can shoot and perform and these are both also guys that was Andrew Andrews I'm going to say both names every time but he was a four-year player
0: Yes out of Washington
1: Yeah huh? so both four-year players right so they're 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 bringing in guys who have experience and who maybe could step in and not be you know too shell shocked by the big stage
0: and I was watching some tape on Andrew Andrews and his shooting stroke is perfect. I mean, it looks Mm -hmm. so beautiful, but the thing that impressed me is that he's not just a catch and shoot guy. I mean, he can create, he's got a beautiful, almost Steph Curry and a step back move that, uh, and and he launches it up there quick and I'm not comparing him to Steph Curry, but I'm Mm -hmm. just saying that, you know, he has an ability to get creative and create his own shot. And, and that could be, very valuable to uh, the Charlotte Hornets. Okay, David, as we mentioned at the top of the show, football is back and SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the games you want to see up close and in person this season. There's nothing like being in Bank of America Stadium here in Charlotte for the biggest Panthers plays of the year. And with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the seats you want for a great value. SeatGeek has the best deals on every single ticket in the house, wherever you want to sit, whether that's the 50-yard line, If you want to be up in the club, the club seats or the upper level. David, I have the SeatGeek app, and and I know you do too. And it's it's turned into the really the only one I use to buy Panthers tickets because it's so easy. SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Plus, every ticket you buy on SeatGeek, every single one, is backed by their one hundred percent guarantee. I open up the app, and the first thing I see are all of the concerts and sporting events going on in Charlotte, and the best price that I can get on a ticket. So, really, David, the SeatGeek app is a great- Great way to know just what's going on in your area. Best of all, our hardcore Hornets fans get a $20 rebate off of their first purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code. Enter promo code LOHORNETS, that's L-O-HORNETS, SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app today and enter promo code LOHORNETS.
1: Free money, David. I want all of that money. I have money. I like I like money. I have some.
0: I have a jar that I put it in. I would like to put more into that jar. We're butchering that quote, by the way. Just That's kidding. where you come in. <laughs> Before we get to this fantasy thing, I want to read a few of your comments on our show on Friday where we profile Cody Zeller. It's a segment we like to call Forum. I hardly know him.
1: Please listen carefully.
0: Okay, first comment coming to us from, uh, let's see here, MZerk, a popular commenter on thehive.com. This titled, Zeller had a good playoffs. Uh, no, he didn't stop Miami's big man from dominating, and he took a backseat to Jefferson. But Zeller's per-minute stats were pretty good. A nice change from his deer-in-the-headlights playoff experience in his first year. And then this next comment, this is kind of a uh, point counterpoint. On the counterpoint here is Airbrush 2020, whose comment is titled "Zeller is not stellar." Look, <laughs> Airbrush, you know I'm a sucker for good wordplay. I'm already, I'm already kind of on board this comment. All right, he says Cody Zeller's playoff numbers were truly terrible. It's possible he could have a breakout season, but unlikely. The Hornets will trade Zeller this season to get value for an expiring contract as he will likely not be re-signed by the Hornets next year. David, that's a bold, bold take. It's hot. It's hotter than my coffee right now.
1: I got to be honest, Doug, that's a bold take and a bold prediction, but it's one that I had kind of thought of uh, as well when we were kind of thinking, I mean, there's something crazy that could happen this season. I just don't know what they see in the future for Cody Zeller. So it's obviously a big year for him. I know, that we both like Cody and we like what he can provide, but we've been talking about just the, I guess, the consistency or, you know, how high can his ceiling be? I guess in any one area. So, you know, and the Hornets and show they're always going to look to trade. So if they can get get an asset, I just don't know what they would. Yeah, you know, be but, able to bring it back. It's David, hard to say no.
0: I, I got to caution you, and I have to caution Airbrush as well. We have been predicting mm-hmm, sure. the the demise of Cody Zeller or the trading sure. of Cody Zeller for years, and, and 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 he's been the subject of trade rumors for years, and it hasn't developed. Now is that the Charlotte Hornets? wanting more than zeller is worth or is that just a factor of zeller not having the kind of demand that would bring anything close to his value back we don't know the answer to that question but we do know that that cody zeller has been the subject of trade rumors and the hornets for whatever reason have have stuck with him And, and i'll also say this i think that a lot of what is going to happen with Cody Zeller either this season or when his contract is up will have a lot to do with the first few months of this season. I think if we Uh see Cody Zeller with, with more weight, uh, with an ability to rebound inside, to hold his own against bigger, big men like Hassan Whiteside, who the first commenter mentioned really beat up on really the, the Miami heat. Were able to scheme Cody Zeller out of the game because they played up close on all of the Hornets' shooters, and then Hassan Whiteside was able to to beat and bang against Cody Zeller, and Cody couldn't do the same. Couldn't return the favor. Had to extend yeah. out and and shoot jump shots, which uh, continued to clog that perimeter. He couldn't he couldn't draw guys down. So that's why the Hornets eventually went without Jefferson, but. If in the beginning of the season, he shows a new form and that usage percentage, we'll talk about this with Josh Lloyd coming up. It's actually the subject of one of the bites, but if his usage percentage goes up and his stats start to rise, then he could either cement his role in Charlotte or start to attract some of that demand for a trade. Yesterday, we played part one of our interview with Josh Lloyd. He's the Locked On Podcast Network's resident fantasy expert and host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Josh and I put on our scuba gear and went deep diving on a variety of topics leading into the Hornets' 2016-17 season. In part two, we discuss who the Hornets lost in free agency and my bold prediction for next season. Enjoy.
2: The other guy that they signed is Christian Wood, who's a a really exciting prospect. It's not like the Hornets have got many athletic project-type guys in the big man realm on their team, but he's going to struggle to get minutes this season. But we've seen some pretty interesting stuff from Wood. He's a a shot blocker. He can stretch out to hit threes. He's a decent three-point shooter. He's an above or below average rebounder probably, but he's got um, a skill set that not many on the Hornets possess uh, were you interested in, in this signing? Is that something you think that that's, that's great for them to be able to develop? And how does he work with Clifford?
0: Well, it's great that they can develop players at all at, at now because they have the, the D-League franchise in the Greensboro Swarm. So, you know, even if he's not able to get minutes in Charlotte necessarily, the you know, getting him into the system and developing those type of players I think will be key to maintaining the success that they're trying to start in Charlotte now. But I, I'm excited, honestly, I'll tell you, Josh, I'm excited by any uh, uh, athletic prospect because I think the one thing that the hornets need at this point two-way players and players that have that freak athleticism that can make big plays because i thought in that playoff series against miami that miami just had too many athletes and the hornets had matchup issues across the board you know they, they did their best to play team defense but ultimately uh, Miami just had the stronger, the faster, the bigger jumpers, and you know, I, <laughs> basketball is it, it's fun because sometimes it can get you can get really intricate with it, but other times it can be a really simple game, and sometimes if you have the uh, the, the you can out athlete an entire team, and that's I think what Miami did to Charlotte in that playoff series. So I'm excited by anyone who can who can run and jump like Christian Wood. So I think he's an exciting prospect.
2: He has a ton of fantasy upside as well because guys who can block shots... And hit some threes and do it efficiently from both the field and the free throw line. There's not many of those guys that are around, and he could be a guy that's a fifty percent shooter and a seventy plus percent free throw guy, and a guy that hits thirty-three percent of his threes and gets you half of them. Those a game and gets you one and a half to two blocks. But it's gonna take a a while for that sort of thing to happen. But let's but
0: let's be honest, Josh. Like I mean, if you're looking for high upside guys with the Charlotte Hornets, you gotta look at the small forward position and the power forward position because you have Marvin Williams an older player Frank Kaminsky a big question mark and then on the small forward side you got MKG injury concerns and no one really back behind him and Christian Wood a guy that has the opportunity to play both of those positions and and has those tools that the Hornets in my opinion at least desperately need so I think it's perfect.
2: Yeah, look, I, I agree. I, I think he can he can overtake Spencer Hawes at some point this season. He might – not Spores, Hawes is obviously more reliable as a veteran, but there'll be times when I think they want to see what Wood can do over Hawes in the rotation. So I'm really excited. to Look, Wood, for as dumb as it sounds, being on the worst team in the NBA, Wood had no chance to play in Philadelphia with all those other young options there. He just wasn't going to get an opportunity to play. So the fact that he is in a team – or on a team now who has some space for him to actually grow and develop. It's, it's pretty interesting because he is one of the more intriguing prospects to have come out in the last couple of seasons. At the moment, Doug, the Hornets have got 14 players. Um, I think they're pretty much locks for the roster. Who do you think gets the 15th spot? At the moment, we've got Andrew Andrews, who's coming to camp, Mike Toby, Trivion Graham, Perialis, and Rashid Suleiman. Who, who, if any of those got... Um, who do you think is the favorite to grab that fifteenth spot, and who who do you think would have the most upside out of that group?
0: Well, they really like Perry Ellis. I don't know if he he doesn't have much upside. I mean, we I think everyone pretty knows pretty much knows what Perry Ellis can give a basketball team. You know, six eight, uh, and not a not a, a a big athlete. So you know, it's it's going to be tough for him uh, to you know, sort of be an exciting player, but he could certainly fill a role for this Charlotte Hornets team. And, and they, you know, they seem, to, the Hornets seem to be really high on, on Perry Ellis and excited to bring him into the fold. I would say, I would say probably maybe Trevion Graham, I think could, could definitely make this roster again. I mean, you're looking for guys who can fill uh, probably fill a, a combo two, three role. And um, so that's why I, I lean more towards a, a Toby or a Graham uh, more so than, but, you know, keep your eyes on Aaron Harrison too. I mean, they're, they're still, they're still high on this guy. And, um, you know, if, if Brian Roberts, for whatever reason, doesn't work out, I think that, you know, you could still see him uh, play, you know, a significant role on the team as well.
2: Who do you think on this team is primed for a break breakout campaign? Now you can judge that however you want, whether it's a player that goes from, you know, good to great or great to superb or, yeah terrible to usable who who's a guy that you look forward to being a breakout guy this season
0: well if he doesn't get traded i think jeremy lamb certainly has that capability uh, he's uh, got the talent uh, does he have the stuff outside the court the, the the is he eating right is he working out the way that he needs to work out and 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 i say these things because uh, he recently did an interview with hornets.com where he said look this I considered last season my first full season and there were some issues uh, with with taking care of himself and, and, and it seemed like and you could definitely see it uh, during the latter half of the season. He did not look like the same player that uh, that Hornet's fans remarked uh, was uh, the super the Super Jeremy brothers of Jeremy Lynn and, and Jeremy Lamb. I mean they played exciting basketball, knocking down shots, slashing to the rim. And he wasn't doing those things in the latter half of the season. And on top of that, was making mental mistakes on defense that were really costing the Hornets. And ultimately, it led to his benching. So it seems like this summer, he, he has what he calls a new mindset. And I think that's going to be his big buzzword for this next season, a new mindset. And if that new mindset uh, is, is real, and I think he certainly has – uh, the physical tools and the talent to up his game significantly, and if he does, then uh, the Hornets may solve a few rotation issues.
2: Yeah, because he can fit on the wing. He's a he's a big-bodied guy. He's got uh, yeah long long wingspan, he can defend positions. He started off the season tremendously and he was a, a favourite of a lot of fantasy people at the start of the year because he was you know, scoring at a really efficient rate, but that was always set to, to drop and over the last three months of the season, his field goal percentage took a significant hit. He was down to just 41% and that left him at 45 for the season, so you can imagine how strong he started out. His three-point shot wasn't falling. He was at under 31% for the season. Um, his free throw percentage dropped 17% over the from the previous season, which is just a huge dip, and he was down at only 63% in the last three months after being 89 the year before, and that sort of drop is almost unfathomable. So, definitely things didn't go right for him in the second half of the season, but the opportunity is there for him. He's not someone that I'm overly enthused about in fantasy, but if the opportunity arises for him, which it could, you know, injuries can happen, and you know, he could have a, a bounce back or a reinvigoration after what happened at the end of last season. He does have some talent, and I was I was very big on Lamb when he was in uh, Oklahoma City, and they just never used him. I just never understood why, but maybe some of the stuff that's happened last season is part of the reason that he didn't get uh, a huge look in in the rotation. The rest of the roster, I want to talk Cody Zeller with you, Doug, because he's a guy that I'm really interested to see what he can do. He was um, clearly the best center on the team last season. I think he was probably one of their better defenders, if not their best big defender. He is an efficient scorer. I think he can stretch his shot out a little bit further, but I felt like he, he gets, I don't know, lost sometimes um, through some of the coaching staff, through some of his own decisions, but this is him now. This is He is the starting center on this team. He should be primed for a step forward or do you see it a different way
0: I think he's primed for a step forward because he was I think he was miscast as a stretch four absolutely and you know you had his his coach at Indiana Tom Crean saying oh yeah he can hit three and he he, he couldn't I mean it was just it was you know one of these one of these draft type of deals where where players either intentionally or unintentionally get miscast as something he's not a stretch four uh he i think he finally found his place at the center position and unfortunately i think last season he just didn't have the body he had the the he, i think he embraced the role of the center position and his quickness at the five was able to give him advantages defensively and offensively and he ran the floor so well and gave them a weapon in transition that they lost when MKG went down uh, with uh, both of those shoulder injuries but you know, I don't. I don't. I just don't know if that mid-range jumper is ever going to develop, and, and I certainly don't think that the three-point jumper will ever develop significantly enough to be a weapon. I mean, you, you look at the the field goal percentage on mid-range jumpers; it was down to twenty-six point seven percent, even among centers that is a, a disgusting number and he didn't take many of them and I think there was a confidence issue there. But this offseason, has his focus has been on uh, putting on as much weight as possible and I think that's going to be key because he's going to have to carry uh, the load underneath in terms of rebounding that Al Jefferson had done for so long and Jefferson did that with a big body. I mean he wasn't You know, he wasn't going to snatch rebounds out of the air. I mean, he just moved guys out of the way, got great position, and was a great defensive rebounder. Well, Jefferson's gone now. Zeller's going to have to fill that role, and he'll certainly have more opportunities this season uh, than he had last season, both in rebounding and scoring.
2: He finished the – season. you talk about his mid-range jumper, but his field goal percentage, and that's part of lack of confidence, I guess, in his mid-range jumper. But over the last couple of months of the season, he took it up to 60% after the All-Star break, which is huge. But that's all around the rim. But you mentioned earlier four-out situations, and that's what they're going to be playing a lot this season with him, You know, hopefully, having to not really venture a huge, huge distance outside the paint, maybe playing to his strengths. He's a a guy that shot almost 80% from the line after the break as well, so that's great as a centre. He can block some shots, and he's rebounding. his rebounding—his rebounding will have to improve um, somewhat this season. But I think that he's—he's uh, he's a real interesting late round fantasy guy because the opportunity is there for him. This is he heading into his—you know—fourth uh, season. It's a huge opportunity for him to take a big step forward. And I, I do—I do believe he's got the talent, and he's actually in a role now where can he can start to thrive in that situation um let me let me give you let me give you one more number
0: on cody zeller he i think the coaching staff and and certainly cody zeller loves playing with nick batum especially in the pick and roll zeller's field goal percentage was 54.2 percent with batum on the floor and it dropped all the way to 46 percent with batum off the floor and we know that uh, Batum loves that dribble handoff, and Cody Zeller and Nick Batum uh, really executed that, that DHO, all those DHO plays that the Hornets have in their in their pocket. They executed those very well, and Zeller – You hope that this extra weight isn't going to affect his speed and agility at all because he was able, in those direct handoffs, in those pick-and-roll situations, able to beat his center, uh, the defensive matchup, time after time and get to the rim. He led the team in dunks. I think he can do it again this next season, so it should be exciting to see him and Nick Batum uh, continue to develop that relationship.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, let, let's transition on to Batum now because he his name has been brought up plenty of times in this podcast because he was, um, despite the play of Kemba Walker being a 20-point scorer, to me, Batum is probably the biggest reason why, why the Hornets made the playoffs and why they took that step forward because he allowed Walker to become better. He allowed these other players to thrive more at what they do, like Marvin Williams. He handles the ball. He was you know, a really solid defensive presence. He... Was, he can be streaky with his shooting but he hits threes at a solid ish rate but it's more just the threat of him with the ball in his hands and the ability to shoot that opens things up for everybody on this team and i'm sure you would have been thrilled to see him recommit to this team at a at a pretty i think pretty fair price.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Definitely a fair price. I mean, you know, he he certainly had the attention of plenty of marquee franchises out there. Toronto was sniffing around. Lost the Los Angeles Lakers were were a, a big play, and and obviously they did the deal in Dallas, where the Mavericks were one of the teams looking uh, very hard at Nicholas Batum. So, but I think Nick Batum saw something in this Charlotte Hornets franchise, and in Steve Clifford saw something. In, in their ability to make him a better basketball player. And I think when you're a guy like Nick Batum, who's been playing professionally since he was 16 years old, you know, money is certainly it's always going to be a priority. I mean, you, you want that respect that comes with being a quote unquote max player. But I think when you've been playing professionally that long, you want to be in a situation where you can play your best basketball. And I think he sees that because he can come to Charlotte, and not be a leader, be in a lead role, but he doesn't have to be the guy. And you know, he was in the shadows in Portland. But I don't necessarily think that he even wants to be you know, a number one option on a team, you know, because I think a lot of people wanted Nick Batum to come to Charlotte and score 20-plus points a game and, and really put on a show, but he he didn't force things. He stayed true to himself, and he developed relationships with guys like Kimball Walker and Cody Zeller, and he ended up averaging uh, almost 15 points, 6.1 rebounds, and 5.8 assists, so he continued that tradition that he's developed in Portland of being, a you know, a three-tool guy. And, and it really helped a lot of what the Hornets tried to do because you have to remember the Hornets are not they're, they're not a high-paced offense and they're, they're, they're definitely a, a half-court offense and if you're going to be a half-court offense and not be a high pace, then you better have guys who can distribute in the half court, who can give you some different wrinkles, and whether it was the direct handoff, whether it was coming off of multiple screens and then pulling up at the last second and drawing. I mean, he drew so many uh, and ones on three-pointers. I mean, he was doing um, big things, but he was also adding wrinkles to this offense that went a long way. In in making them one of the more dynamic offenses last season, which led to them being, as you said, a surprise team.
2: He is a guy, that, and again, he, he he was great from the start. But what I really look for with players you know, on new teams is how they go over the second half of the season as they get more used to things and he took his efficiency well up he was at 45% from the field he shot 37% from three over the last month, he led the team in assists averaging over six a game after the all-star break now these are tremendous numbers for fantasy he got a stealer game, he had .7 blocks he hit almost two threes, five and a half rebounds 15 points, he does it all across the board, he's had three top 40 finishes in the last four seasons, the last one one that wasn't was that season in Portland where he was battling a myriad of issues, personal and physical Physical. He said it plenty of times that you know, in Charlotte, this is the opportunity he gets to play the game that he wants to play, and that is a, a key part in, in what you talked about in him resigning because he's doing what he wants to do, and he is a, on on fantasy providers at the moment on Yahoo. He is just tremendously undervalued. I think he's ranked in the seventies, which is just insane he, he should not be escaping the top 40 and if he's outside the top 50 you need to grab him in every in one of those situations because you're know, getting six assists out of a guy who's going to have small forward eligibility and steals and blocks and threes and rebounds and points and solid percentages or solidish percentages especially the field goal percentage which is a, a little bit below average but it's not terrible he contributes everywhere so do not be down on Nick Batum and even last year he's and I talk about this all the time Doug on the podcast is fantasy basketball and psychology, people really in fantasy have a dislike for Nick Batum. So there was a stretch in mm. January where he struggled for two weeks maybe mm-hmm. and people were just, oh, we've got to get rid of Nick Batum. Let's drop him. Okay? You guys need to calm down. And that's where everyone needs to pounce on other owners who do that. And as you can see on Yahoo, he's way down the ranks. So you need to get this guy because he's consistent and he does a lot of things that it's uh, it's hard to obtain from other areas.
0: And I don't think that that, that um – that that feeling of being down on Nick Batum uh, stops with fantasy owners. I think there are a lot of pundits already undervaluing Nick Batum and his contributions to the, to the Charlotte Hornets I think some of that has to do with the fact that Kimball Walker really was the narrative you always look at the narrative and uh, that was definitely Kimball Walker and his ascension as uh, you know a leader and, a, and an improving player and an almost all-star and Nick Batum also had a couple of injuries that uh, stunted uh, his momentum throughout the season and and certainly in the playoffs but yeah you cannot quantify uh, the the value that his game uh, brings to the Charlotte Hornets.
2: We've got one player left that we haven't spoken about, so let's get into that. Now we've alluded to him a couple of times, and that's Frank Kaminsky, last year's lottery draft choice as a rookie. He played uh, look a pretty a pretty sizable role for a, for a rookie, but I get the feeling that this is going to be his role for his career. Like he played this twenty minute backup. Power forward, center role. You know, he might get to 23 or 24, but I feel like he's just going to be this same guy throughout his career. Can you tell me why I'm wrong or do you agree with that?
0: I think it's certainly a possibility. I don't think that... I mean, he's shown flashes of things for me that I'm still holding out hope that he can be something more dynamic than, a, than, than what we saw last season because he did play a significant role in terms of minutes, but his usage... Compared to the rest of the power forwards in the league, pretty low. So when he was on the floor, the ball wasn't heading his way, and I think that's pretty standard for rookies. But you just can't let that, you know, twenty-one, twenty-two minute per game number uh, trick you. He wasn't a, a huge factor in this offense. He's got to, he's got to improve his consistency. Um, but I think, like Cody Zeller, I mean, he's going to look to put on weight and be stronger. But here's why I have. A little bit of hope for Frank Kaminsky. We did not get to see his full potential underneath the basket. And the, the, both Steve Clifford and and uh, assistant coach Patrick Ewing talked over and over last season about wanting to get Frank Kaminsky post touches. And w- but when you have a guy like you're you're trying to transition Cody Zeller to the center role, and then at different parts of the season you had Al Jefferson who is going to you know eat those touches it was difficult to get him any kind of looks underneath. But when he did get those looks, he showed an ability uh, to move past defenders that he had no business moving past, and he's got an instinct. And you saw this this over and over at Wisconsin, and it did translate in those few rare moments that he did get a post-touch. He has the instinct to get to the basket, and he has the ability to finish. And if that continues to develop... I really think he, he could be. Uh, I don't think I don't know if he can be an all star, but I think he could be a special player if he has that ability to move through the lane and and uh, finish those post touches and stretch the floor and become more consistent as a three point shooter. I mean, that's a great weapon to have on any team.
2: Yeah, look, that's absolutely correct. Now, his statistical numbers, they might not stand out to people when they look at them, but in 21 minutes, he got half a steal, half a block a game, and that could be a, a player who's a, a triple one type guy, so a guy who could average a three, a steal, a block if he got starters minutes. He's a high free throw percentage guy. I imagine his field goal percentage takes a jump. I think his three-point percentage takes a jump. The thing that he needs to work on is his rebounding was uh, was very, very low last season. His rebound rate yep. was poor. He's you know, only four rebounds a game in 21 minutes. That translates to seven per 36 I think andre drummonds at about 17 per 36 it's a it's a huge difference there but again, maybe if he plays more of the five, that rebounding rate goes up, and without Al Jefferson around, someone is going to have to grab more rebounds, so I think he can take somewhat of a step forward there. Not sure he ever becomes a top 50-ish fantasy player or anything like that, but I could see him having a couple of top 100 seasons at some point in his future. Um, Let's see how he goes this season. I think he gets a slightly larger role this year. I think I've projected him for an extra couple of minutes a game and and should get a little bit more usage, as, as you touched on. His usage was quite low, but again, the absence of Jefferson and Lynn, that takes away a fair bit of usage from this team that's got to be distributed to some of the other areas, and Kaminsky's in a pretty decent spot to absorb at least some of those touches.
0: Yeah, What you liked about Kaminsky last season, and you compare his rookie season to what I remember from Cody Zeller's rookie season, Frank Kaminsky was able to do several things on a basketball court at the same time. And, and he was able to affect the game in multiple ways without seeming lost. Like he, he, he certainly got beat on defense, and he's the first to admit that. His big you know his big thing this off season is getting better defensively. And he, he's, he will certainly have to do that because might, the Miami Heat in that playoff series, they were able to expose him with Lowell Ding over and over and over again. So he'll continue to develop there. But in my mind, he never looked, Uncomfortable out on the floor. And I think you could definitely say that for Cody Zeller in his first uh, season and a half. He didn't really know exactly where to be and what to do on defense. That's not necessarily Frank's issue. So I, I think, and that's going to be important because that's going to determine whether he can stay on the floor. When we talk about minutes and roll, it's not going to be, can he hit a three or, or is he getting a post-touch? It's, can he stay with his guy on defense?
2: Uh, absolutely. Now let's get into our bold prediction for this team. Doug, what, what's your bold prediction? You can predict whatever whatever you want. You can talk about record. You can talk about trades. You can talk about players falling off completely, rotation decisions, whatever. What? Just make, it, make a bold prediction.
0: Well, I, I'm not going to go as, as far as uh, Ben Dowsett and say that the Hornets are going to nab the second seed. I won't do that. I don't think that they're ready for that kind of jump yet. But I think... That Marvin Williams does not finish the season at the the four position, I think it's somebody else. I, I, I think that uh, whether it's Kaminsky or whether the Hornets make a move possibly for a, a Paul Millsap, um, there you know I, I that certainly is. It's not a that's not a rumor. I just want to make that clear. That is a complete speculation uh, on my part or a, or a player that I think would fit within this system, but. I think you could see, look, Trader Cho. Rich Cho, the general manager, has the nickname among Charlotte fans as Trader Cho because he likes to make moves around uh, the, the break and, and in the offseason uh, with the trade. And he's certainly much more comfortable with the trade than the draft. So watch out for the Hornets around the trade deadline, especially if you know they are in that fourth, fifth seed area in the Eastern Conference and they've got a chance to get home court in that first round. I think that's very important for them. And I think they could make a move and you could possibly see somebody else in that four position. I think that's the one, the one area where there are available players out there for them to nab. And, you know, I think a spot that if Marvin does, isn't able to continue that role that you could see change. David, what do you think about my bold prediction? And do you have a bold prediction of your own for this upcoming season?
1: You've already, but actually, yeah, I
0: think, I, I, you yeah. already gave one a, a little bit. You kind of, yeah. kind of led into it there uh, with the Cody Zeller thing.
1: Exactly. Thanks to Airbrush, uh, my man Airbrush, for, for hitting me at that. But yeah, the Cody Zeller thing is probably my bold prediction. Uh, you know, the one that you said for Marvin is interesting because he had such a great year last year, career year, really late in his, later in his career, I guess. But I, I think he hangs on to it. I mean, uh, minus injury um i think they trust him and what he did for them last year was so big and clifford likes guys that you know he can plug in there and knows what he's going to get from them so i think it's going to be interesting with the addition of mkg coming back in there i mean marvin's rebounding numbers are probably not going to be where they were last year if he can keep the keep the three pointers where they were that's certainly going to be a big issue or a big factor in helping him stay on the court but i'll give marvin one more year there um barring injury i think he'll be able to lock it down again
0: I just think if – and I said this in the in the interview – I just think that, that if the Hornets have an opportunity to upgrade a position, it could be the power forward position. There are several options out there on, on the trading market at this time. We don't know even who's going to open up later, and right. I, I think that's somewhere. And, and then if you move Marvin down into the bench – he can have a real impact in stretching the floor, pairing him with Roy Hibbert. I mean, that could be a deadly pairing in the second unit and and make this a deep team that could contend in the playoffs. So it's less, I mean, to me, it's less about Marvin Williams and just more about the opportunity opportunity that the Hornets might have to upgrade this team uh, heading in to the latter half of the season. So, uh, yeah, go to the Locked on Fantasy Basketball podcast, subscribe and get all of your fantasy news from the expert, Josh Lloyd. Coming up next week, we're back on our daily grind Monday through Friday, and we're starting it off by previewing the five Eastern Conference teams you should care about. Plus, Kelly Scaletta from our friends over at todaysfastbreak.com is counting down his top 100 NBA players. We're going to talk to him about where he has the top Hornets players Thanks for listening to Locked on Hornets, presented by Hive Talk Live, and thanks to our sponsor today, SeatGeek. Download the SeatGeek app, enter that promo code LOHornets, and get $20 off your first purchase. Follow us on Twitter, Insta, and Snapchat at Hive Talk Live. The big scoreboard reveal in Spectrum Center is tomorrow, Friday, uh, around 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock. We're going to be posting some pictures and some videos. You want to make sure you're following us on social media for that. Subscribe to us on iTunes, and while you're there, give us a five-star review and help hardcore Hornets fans just like yourself find this podcast. Email us what you're most concerned about with this Hornets roster heading into training camp. Email those questions, those concerns to buzzbuzz at hivetalklive.com. We'll talk about them here on the show. Hive Talk Live is a presentation of SBNations at the thehive.com. We're back again next week, again, on that Daily Grind. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go Panthers. Go America. Down with Denver. Let's swarm Charlotte.